All right, grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. And uh, we're going to do some reviewing tonight before I get into the second half of our message. As you'll notice the screen up here tonight, we're talking about fear. Talking about fear. And uh, this is in cooperation with the uh, message that Pastor Todd's been uh, giving us and, and working on on Sunday mornings called Trusting God. And fear, uh, there is an element of, uh, of trust when we come before the Lord and we come before him in the fear of the Lord. When we trust him, we learned last week that it runs out all the bad fear because we learned in scripture last week that there's two kinds of fear. So let's just do some reviewing tonight uh, as we look at things. We know that one type of fear can be detrimental and damaging and one type of fear can be beneficial and is to be encouraged, okay? Uh, a couple of our Greek words that we learned last week, the terrible, dreadful kind of fear that we want to stay away from, you'll find it in the Old Testament as phobio. And that is where we get our Greek word phobia. And we mentioned some of those crazy fears last week. Y'all remember those? We know some of them, uh, very common, fear of flying, fear of heights, maybe fear of water. Well, this is uh, where we get that word. Phobio is the Greek word, and we get the word phobia from that. Now, this is one type of fear that you'll find in Scripture, and it is not a good fear. It can be damaging, and we're to avoid that kind of fear, and we are to overcome it through the power of God. Amen? In the Old Testament, we saw it as uh, another word. Uh, Terry, I should have a Hebrew word on there. That is your Hebrew word. You'll find that in the Old Testament. It is pakad, and it means the same thing as the phobia, Greek word for phobia, or the Greek word for fear, which is phobia, and it is a negative kind of fear as well. This is a type of terrorizing fear. This fear can paralyze and cause anxiety. And how many of you know that when we get afraid of things like this, our phobias, our fears, this type of fear, it can grip you. It can paralyze you. You know, we can have a fear of man. We can have a fear of not pleasing people. We can have uh, all kinds of fears like that, a fear of failure, okay? And that grips us. We learned that it, it can not only grip us physically and just kind of keeps us from moving on, but it can grip us spiritually as well. We won't try new things in the Lord, no matter what the Lord's asked us to do, no matter what he's promised, it'll grip us and cause us to stand still. So we, we saw last week that that, can, uh, that type of fear can spiritually paralyze us as well. Throughout the Bible, the uh, we see that the uh, the Lord and, and Scripture tells us continuously to fear not, fear not, fear not, only believe. We found last week in Genesis 15, the first place that fear not is listed. And that's where God was giving the promise of a new seed or a brand new a, a, a seed to Abraham. And he tells him, don't, don't worry about how this is going to happen. I've got this. It's a promise of mine. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Okay? And then we went on to talk about, and this is kind of where I want to pick up tonight, the second kind of fear that we find in Scripture. This is the one that we should pursue. This is the one that should be encouraged. This is the one that we want to grow in. And you think, wow, we want to grow in some kind of a fear? Yeah, we do. And it's called the fear of the Lord. Okay? Now, this is not a dreadful kind of fear. This is not a fear of, what's he going to do to me? He's going to zap me. Okay? It's not that type of a fear. This fear of the Lord, guys, is a reverential fear. 
It is the type of fear that when we stand before him, we reverence him. And we are in awe of him because he's wonderful and he's mighty and he's powerful. Okay? It's the Hebrew word yer. And it regards a person that is in an, is in an exalted position and somebody that we stand in awe of. We shouldn't have this kind of fear toward anybody or regarding anybody but God. Amen? Y'all agree with that? Okay? So it is a reverence for the Lord. It's when we recognize, yes, his power and his position, and we render him proper respect for that. And I mentioned this kind of illustration last week, so I want to reiterate it again. We've gotten very uh, comfortable and kind of lax with how we treat God. It's almost like we want to give him a high five and pat him on the back and thank him for the day. And guys, he's God. He's God. He's to be reverenced, respected, and honored. We go before him humbly. Now, he invites us to come to him humbly. He invites us to come to him in Hebrews confident. But that doesn't mean that he's uh, our good old boy. He's our homeboy. You see what I'm saying? And so we've gotten really comfortable in the body of Christ. We just kind of, you know, let's just high five Jesus and, and just move on through the day. When he wants to be worshiped and reverenced and awed and hallowed. Okay? Is that okay? And I think we've lost that. We've lost the fear of the Lord. Uh, I think we mentioned last week, but if not, I'll mention it here. You know, Jesus says in the Gospels that there were times that he could not do certain things that he wanted to do because of unbelief, that's true, but also a lack of honor. Lack of honor. So that lets us know that, you know, maybe perhaps the Lord is limited among us in our lives, either corporately or individually, because we don't honor him. Okay? He wants to be reverenced. He wants to be honored. He wants to be hallowed. He wants to be revered in our lives. So I want us to really make a concentrated effort at Christ Fellowship to really begin to turn our mindset that way. And maybe your mind is already there. Maybe you, you reverence the Lord and you hallow the Lord and you respect the Lord greatly. But let's, let's turn it up and do it even more so. Uh, after I talked uh, last week, I, a couple of you came up and said, you know, I never really even thought about that. I've been very loose with the way I approach the Lord. Uh, hey, how you doing, God? You know, that kind of thing. I don't want us to get stoic and religious either. But I want us to reverence him. Is that okay? Okay. And, 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 and help those around you to do it too. If somebody's talking trashy about your Jesus, we need to say something and arrest the moment. You can do it with class and tact. You don't have to be a fanny about it. But let's don't let them walk all over us either. That is our God whose broken body uh, took care of a lot of sin in our lives on the cross that day. And we want to reverence him among each other and among those that are around us, okay? Is that okay? Wow. So she's like already deep into it. Amen? All right. So let's move on. We're talking about reverencing him wonder. He is our wonderment and everything about him, everything about him is wonderful to us, okay? He is great and he is mighty. Um, so the fear of the Lord, uh, this truth, Terry, if you'll pop it up, when we lose the fear of the Lord, 
we give place to all other fear. When Not that one, Terry, that should be maybe before that one. There we go. Remember we talked about it in Genesis when we talked about Adam and Eve and Eve? She had a fear of. Do y'all remember? Does anybody remember? What did Eve have a fear of? Ignorance. Remember when the devil came and said, Now, Eve, are you sure that's what he said? And she was so afraid of not being like God that she ate of the fruit. And then Adam had a fear of, I don't want to mess with her. Let's do what she says to do. So he had a fear of peer pressure or fear of, you know, of, of, of man. And so he ate of the fruit. Somewhere along the way, they lost reverential fear for the Lord God because it started to matter what Satan said. So when we lose reverential fear for the Lord, it opens the gateway for all other fear. Because when we lose reverential fear for the Lord, we lose our trust in him. Then we start questioning him. And that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Okay? Are we good there? You can find that story over in Genesis 3. Now, uh, let me get here, and then we're going to move over into our text for tonight and, and, and just... We're going to go through uh, several scriptures, but everything's going to come up on the screen for you. And so you're going to be quite comfortable with where I'm going and you'll be able to follow right along. This one truth, you're going to see it a couple of times tonight. And Terry, it's the one you just had up a moment ago. This is the most important truth of this entire teaching. So I want you to keep this tucked away under your hat. The fear of the Lord is trusting God completely. Just out of reference for him. And this is what, uh, what ties in with what Pastor Todd's been teaching. The fear of the Lord, this is defined for you. The fear of the Lord is when we trust God just out of reverence. We trust God because he's God. We trust God because he's powerful. He's mighty. He just puts us in awe when we think about him. And that's enough to trust him. He's earned the right to be trusted. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. So I want you to keep that in mind. If you're taking notes, write that statement down. Put that somewhere. Put it in the front of your Bible. The fear of the Lord, and this is a healthy kind of fear. This is the kind of fear we've lost, and we've picked up every other fear, but we need to get this one back. This is a good one. This is a healthy type of fear. There's two types. This is the healthy type. The fear of the Lord is trusting God completely out of reverence for him. Okay? Are we good there? All right. So we don't want to lose that. We want to stay in touch with that type of fear, just having an awe about him. Uh, all fear is rooted in the loss of the fear of the Lord, pretty much what I just said. So I want you to turn to uh, John, uh, Luke, actually, chapter 12, and let's get into our notes tonight. The Lord God can be trusted. He's the one to be trusted. He's the one to be reverenced. Not man, not a situation, uh, not the word of the enemy, but he is the one to be trusted. The Lord Jesus is the one to be trusted. The Bible says over in Proverbs, as you're turning to Luke, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. So the fear of the Lord can keep us safe. Amen. Makes us think before we do things. We have a reverential fear of him. We honor him. We respect him. So we think before we do and say things. Amen? Okay? Are we good? Everybody say amen. 
Y'all are real quiet tonight. Maybe you're thinking. I hope so. Okay, so Luke chapter 12. This is where we're going to start tonight. We're going to move through some scriptures, all right? Luke chapter 12 lets us know that even Jesus spoke of the fear of the Lord. Even Jesus spoke of the fear of the Lord. It's in Luke 12, beginning in a, a, about verse 1, you could start. But the focal passages are uh, 4 through 7. Now, remember what I just said. And again, Terry, if you'll pop that truth up, the fear of the Lord is trusting God completely out of reverence for him. The fear of the Lord is trusting God completely out of reverence for him. So let's look at jo uh, Luke chapter 12 and see what the Lord Jesus is saying. This is him speaking, of course. Uh, in chapter 12, verse 1, in the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people gathered together, so they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, so he's speaking, there's a crowd there. There are Pharisees there probably in the back because, you know, they were always around. The Pharisees were the religious crowd that always tried to trip Jesus up, try to catch him in something, a lie or breaking the law, something like that. And he never did any of that. So Jesus begins to speak. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's a whole teaching behind verse 1, but we'll move on. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. Jesus is saying, everything you've done is going to be revealed. Everything you've said is going to be revealed. And what you've spoken in the ear in the inner room is going to be proclaimed on the housetop. So Jesus is saying, be careful what you do and say. You will be found out. And then he says in 4 through 7, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. In other words, man can do stuff to you. Man can. And after that, they can't do anything else to you. Okay? You know, they can pretty much take you out, according to verse 4. But after that, it's pretty much over. And then he says in verse 5, But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him, who after he is killed has power to cast you into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Now, what Jesus is saying here, guys, is this. And I know those are very harsh words, and it would take us some time to really break that down and kind of talk about what he's saying. It sounds very harsh, so don't let that throw you. But basically what he's saying, the basic idea is, don't be so much afraid of what man can do to you. He can only just do so much. Worse being, he can kill you. But Jesus is saying, you need to fear me. Don't reverence man and what man says or does, but reverence me. Because what I do and say is eternal. That's what he's saying. Okay? I know he's using words like kill and destroy and throw into hell and all that. It's pretty, you know, pretty descriptive language. And uh, there is, you know, there's explanation for all that. But the gist of the scripture is reverence me. Because what I do for you, what I say to you is eternal. Only man, man can only touch you just so much, Laura. You know what I'm saying? Their words or their actions toward us or their intentions. You know, a person can only just do so much to you. But Jesus is saying, don't be afraid of them. Don't uh, worry about that. Don't consider that so heavily. He said, consider very heavily me because I'm eternal. What I say is eternal. What I do is eternal. My blessings are eternal, and I'm the one that can give you eternal life. You know what? We put a lot of weight in man, don't we? What somebody says to us, what they think about us, 
um, how they influence us. We put a lot of weight in that. And Jesus said, don't do that. Be more concerned with me because I have the eternal barometer on your life. Okay, is that good? Now watch how the text turns. It switches into something weird. It's almost like verse um, 6 and 7 is just like another day. It's just like the next day he started talking. And that's not what happened. But look what does happen. He starts talking about trusting. Uh, he starts talking about, uh, or in 4 and 5, he's talking about fearing him, reverencing him, honoring him, worshiping him. And then he starts talking about in 6 and 7, trust. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And I don't know about y'all, but every day Jesus has to recount on me. Every day. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than any sparrow. So right there is the connection between reverential fear and trust. It's exactly what Pastor Todd's been preaching on and exactly what I taught on last week. There's a connection. He says, listen, just, just trust me. The fear of the Lord is trusting him just out of reverence for him. He said, reverence me and trust me. And you won't have to worry about what man is doing and saying. Do y'all see that? Look at the, just look at the split in that passage right there. Uh, chapter 12, 4, 5, 6, and 7. It's almost like those verses are split right in half. It almost looks like he's talking about two totally different subjects, but he's not. He's saying, just reverence me. Honor me. Hallow me. Trust me. Because I put you in all of me. That's what he says. Amen? So we don't pay so much attention to what man does. We don't pay so much attention. We pay more attention to the Lord Jesus because he is the one that is eternal and he is the one that's to be reverenced and he is the one that is to be trusted. Now you're right there, Luke. Turn over just a few chapters to chapter 14. Let me show you another verse. Chapter 14. Now this is a strange passage as well. It says in verse 25, Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wow, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. What he's saying here again is, it's a little strange language, but he's saying to us, it should appear as though you so prefer the Lord your God over everyone else, it's almost like you hate everyone. Now, we really don't hate because we're instructed not to hate. But he says that you should give the appearance that you so reverence him and you so consider him and you so hallow him and trust him that it looks like nobody else really matters. And he said, those people are my disciples. Amen? So again, he just reiterates that same truth. Hallow me, reverence me, trust me. And this is the fear of the Lord. It should be so very obvious that we prefer the Lord God over anyone else, honoring him and trusting him. Okay, good. Now, uh, there are some Old Testament references. And second year students in Caneo, it's amazing how this all ties in. Oh, praise the Lord. It's just crazy. But there's some Old Testament reference 
some Old Testament references and examples of when Israel did not reverence the Lord. We plowed through some of this last week or this week. But um, so I'm going to give some of this to you guys tonight because it's incredible. Israel was guilty a lot of times, the nation of Israel, of not preferring the Lord God, not honoring the Lord God. As a matter of fact, they lived their lives like in a cycle of defiling the Lord, getting in trouble, repenting, coming back to the Lord. Defiling the Lord, getting in trouble, getting attacked, repenting, and coming back to the Lord. Who's that sound like? That sounds like us. Yes, and so uh, we see a lot of times in the Old Testament of Israel doing this on numerous occasions where they would prefer other gods over Jehovah God, the God, okay? Now, let me establish a couple of things, and there's going to be some scriptures that come up for you. The entire scripture is going to come up. You don't have to worry about going there, but if you want to jot them down, the reference will come up as well. Let me establish a couple of things before I show you what I want to show you over in Kings. First thing I want to show you is, is that Israel was required by Mosaic law to reverence the Lord. Back in the Old Testament, under the Ten Commandments and those laws, God required them to reverence him. He commanded it. You will reverence me, is what he told Israel. Okay, now he, today, under a different system, it's called grace and the new covenant, he wants us to choose to reverence him. And he wanted Israel to choose too. But under the law, they were commanded to. Watch these scriptures, they're going to come up for you. Okay, Leviticus 19.4, these are the supporting scriptures. Don't turn to idols, God said, nor make yourselves bold in gods. I'm the Lord your God. Leviticus 25, 17 says, Therefore you shall not oppress one another, but you'll fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. He's talking to Israel. Do y'all see that? He's saying, fear me, reverence me. Okay? I'm not just a neighbor or a good old buddy. I'm God. Then he says in Deuteronomy 4, 19, Take heed lest you lift your eyes to the heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them. Which there were those folks back then that would worship the heavenly bodies. Which the Lord your God has given to all peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Deuteronomy 6, 2. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your son's son, and all the days of your life that your days will be prolonged. Deuteronomy 6.13, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. 6.24, the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God. Over and over and over again, he's telling Israel, fear me. I'm not asking you to, I'm telling you to. So by Mosaic law, they were commanded to. And then finally, Joshua 24.14, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in security and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord. So the first thing I want to establish before I take you over to a story to show you what I'm talking about is, is that they were commanded to reverence him. Children of Israel in the Old Testament were commanded to reverence him. And as I said, he asks us to. He invites us to under the new covenant, under grace, after the cross. Secondly, I want you to realize that Israel was also commanded not to fear other gods, little g, gods. He told Israel, do not reverence 
other gods. Not the moon god, not the sun god, not the golden calf. Remember in the story in the movie, The Ten Commandments, that real old movie from long way ago? And they made the golden calf. That would have been, a, that would have been an image. Or the false god Baal. The Old Testament is full of false gods. And God told them, don't honor those graven images. And I mentioned this last week. I've even taught on it before. We may not have little statues in our closet that we bow to. We may not have, a, a, you know, a picture of a God. But we have idols in our life. Things that take our attention away from God. It can be a habit. It can be a, the television. It can be Facebook, a computer, a laptop, a phone. It can be a relationship. It can be a grudge that you just got the right to hang on to. That can be an idol. And when an idol, I've taught on this, when an idol rises up in front of you and God is over here trying to communicate to you and he's speaking through the idol, his words are skewed and you can't understand clearly what he's saying because the idol is in the way. So it may sound like he's saying, yeah, go ahead and do that when he's going, no. But he's trying to speak through the idol. Move the idol so that you can hear the voice of the Lord clearly. See, we think we're in real good shape because we don't have a graven image sitting on our coffee table. But we've got an offense a mile high. And we can't hear God because of the offense. Does that make sense? So anything becomes an idol if it, if it stands between you and God. And we're not willing to crush that thing. So supporting scriptures for you. When God told Israel, do not fear or reverence or worship or give way to any other God but me, he said. Judges 6.10. And I said unto you, I'm the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of Ammonites or Amorites. And in, those, in whose land you dwell you've not obeyed my voice of course the Amorites were just simply one of the enemies of Israel so God wanted the fear of the Lord to be in the hearts of the people of Israel and I want you to go to Exodus 20 and let me show you why Genesis Exodus it's the second book of the Bible if you got your Bible I want you to see this uh, I, I know it's real easy to bring our phones to church and our Bibles on the phone, but I encourage you, bring your Bible. You can write in the margin, highlight. My Bible looks like a rainbow. Make notes, okay? So bring your Bible to church, amen? Bring your sword. Over in Exodus 20, the scriptures let us know why the Lord wants us to fear him, wanted Israel to fear him, why it's important to have the fear of the Lord in our hearts. Exodus 20, it's there, okay? Let's look at it. Verse 18 in the following. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightnings flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoky. And when the people saw it, this was the nation of Israel, of course, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak to us because we're afraid we'll die. Then verse 20, and Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God's come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. 
He said, don't be afraid of him in that way. He's not trying to pop you on the head. But do have the fear of the Lord on the inside that you will not sin. Because, guys, when we've got the fear of the Lord, honor him, Layman, and we bow before him, and we worship him, and we follow him, we don't want to sin. It's not that we don't sin because we're afraid, although that does factor in, because there are consequences to sin, right? Nobody likes the consequences. But Moses was saying, if the fear of the Lord resides on the inside of you, you'll consider him. And you'll go, I'm not going to do that. Honor him. Obedience is a result of the honor of the Lord being powerful in your life. Just being obedient is just a result of you honoring him. Because people that don't honor him, it's all in Romans 3, if you want to read it. They're called lost. They don't know God. They don't want to know God. They don't care about God. They don't reverence him. But we that know him and that are born again, we want to reverence him. We want to do it. Therefore, when we're tempted to sin or step into something or make a crazy decision or say something we shouldn't say, we go, you know what? That will not honor God. I'm not going to do it. Okay? It will make us consider what we're about to do because we don't want to bring dishonor to him. Does that make sense? So there's your passage. Exodus, it's actually verse, it's actually Exodus 20:20. That's easy to remember. Exodus 20:20. Not only did the Lord want the fear of him in the heart of Israel, but he also wants the fear of the Lord in believers today. He wants that on the inside of us, as I said, so that we won't sin against him. Look at Jeremiah 32, 40. It's going to come up for you. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do good to them or to do, good, to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they'll not depart from me. This verse connects with Jeremiah 31, 33, which is a prophetic verse about the covenant that we're under. Over in Exodus, we read about the covenant of Israel, the Old Testament. But this one talks about our covenant under Jesus, the promises under Jesus. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, but this shall be the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. This is projecting the new covenant. After those days, says the Lord, I put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So as I said, the result of our reverence toward him and our respect toward him is that we won't just voluntarily sin whenever we're tempted to do that. We're going to think twice about things out of reverence. Now, I know a lot of us were brought up to think twice about it because uh, we're afraid of him in the sense of the phobia, terrified, okay? But let's reverence him, that kind of fear, and that stops us from sinning. Now, in closing, I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 17, and I want to show you a story 
First and second Samuel, first and second Kings. It's toward the beginning of the Old Testament, second Kings chapter 17. Now, you'll have to use your Bible on this one because it's too much text to come up. It's not going to come up on the screen because it's, uh, I'm going to reference several passages. And so, well, I just kind of have to hop around. The second Kings chapter 17. I want you to go there because I want to show you a story about this, okay? What happened? Let's look at an example. What happened when Israel feared other gods? What happened to them? As I said, there's example after example after example in the Old Testament, but I chose 2 Kings 17. In 2 Kings, actually 1 and 2 Kings, those two books record the history of Israel when it was a divided kingdom uh, under the kings of Israel to the north and the kings of Judah to the south. So it's the history of Israel, generally and easily simply put. When you read First and Second Kings, it's about the history of the nation of Israel. And they stayed in a mess all the time. Okay? So what we see in this passage of Scripture is something that happened as a result of the sin of Israel. Look at, verse, uh, look at chapter 17. This is a, the time that has come when they are under their last and final king of Israel, the northern half the northern kingdom, and the king's name is listed there in verse 1, Hoshea. This is when Israel's being led by this king. They were under the attack of the Assyrians because they had done something. This is when the Assyrians attacked and took over and brought Israel captive. This is one of the many times that they were taken captive. And what they did is found in verses 5 through 8 of 17. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. He took it. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Syria and carried Israel away to Assyria. This is one band of people coming in and swooping Israel away and taking them captive. Placed them in those cities by the river, verse 6. 7. So it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of the Pharaoh, of, uh, of the Pharaoh king of Egypt, and they, uh, and they had feared other gods. So there's the key right there. That is what they did. They feared other gods and had walked in the statutes of nations whom the Lord had cast out from among them. Told them, don't mess with these people. Well, they started embracing their gods and of the kings of Israel, which they had made, and also the children of Israel, secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they built for themselves high places, which is a place of worship. They were worshiping idols in all their cities, from watchtower to fortified cities. And they set up sacred pillars and wooden images, and the story goes on and on. So that lets you know what they did. They did about three things, and I'll give them to you very quickly. The first thing they did was, it's there, they feared other gods, which we've talked about. That was the second thing God commanded is don't fear any other gods but me. So they did that. And Assyria moved in and took them captive. Second thing they did was the prophets had come in and warned them about this. And they just rejected the word of the prophet. Didn't listen to the prophet. Didn't listen to warning. Has anybody ever come to you in your life and warned you about decisions? About not obeying the Lord? About not reverencing the Lord, not reverencing the house, not reverencing the tithe. Has anybody ever warned you and you didn't heed the word of the prophet? 
That's what they did. And then thirdly, in all this, they violated the covenant that they had with God. And as I said, as a result, they were taken captive. They were taken captive by the Assyrians. Now, it gets real ugly in about verse 24. Go to 17, 24. Now, listen to the story. Listen what happened. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Huzah, Ava, Hamath, and Seth Arvaim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria. Instead of the children of Israel, they took possession of Samaria. I'm going to explain to you what's going on here. They dwelt in the city. And it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord. So here we go again. This is a group of, of um, inhabitants that the king of Assyria had brought in. And he mixed in with the Israelites. The people of God mixed in with a bunch of pagans. And by pagans, I mean people that did not know God, recognized God, didn't care about God, and worshipped idols. So now this king of Assyria mixes them all in. Israel's going like this. Now what? They're captive. They can't do anything. They're under the laws of the Assyrians. So here all these people groups come. Okay, it gets worse. He mixes them in. Verse 25. Therefore the Lord sent lions. It says they didn't fear the Lord in verse 25. So the Lord sent lions among them and killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria and said, Hey, listen. The nations that you've all, you've moved them about and you've placed them all together. You've got them in there with the Israelites. They don't know the rituals of the God of the land. They don't know about Jehovah. And they're all dying. You think you need to do something? I think you need to do something, they said to him in verse 26. Therefore, he, God, Jehovah, has sent lines among them and, 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 and they're dying. Verse 27, then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, send there one of those priests whom you brought from over there, and let him dwell there, and let him teach them the rituals of the God of the land. Okay? He said, go get one of those Israelite priests and get everybody together and tell him to teach them how to fear God. Now, get him in there, or they're going to all die because they're not honoring the God of the land. Do y'all see that? Real clear. So he's got all these folks mixed together, and it's just chaos. 28, then one of the spies whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them, not spies, where did I get that? Yeah, priests, not spies, 28. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. So they brought this priest in and said, listen, fix this. You got the Israelites that are fearing the Lord somewhat, although they had been in paganism too. That's how they ended up in this mess. Then you got all these pagan people groups they don't care anything about God. Teach all these people. Get them all lined up. 29. However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines on the high places, which the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities where they dwelt. And there's the gods that they made. Babylon made a god. Thuth made a god. All those people groups made various gods. The first one, Terry put that one up, Sukkoth Benoth. That was a god that they made. That means the booth of daughters. This was a god of prostitution. Then Nurgle was another god the second group made. 
This was a God of war. Uh, this God was associated with demons, disease, plague, pestilence. Boy, that's a fine God to worship, isn't it? They made an image of him. Then there was Asherah, the goddess of fate. Nibhaz was the idol of a dog. And then the last two, a male and female power god of the sun. So these people were worshiping all kinds of things and made images to them. And that's found in 30 through 32. 32 says, so they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. 33 is your key passage. They feared the Lord, yet served their gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. To this day, they continue in practice former rituals. They do not fear the Lord. They don't follow the statutes, their ordinances, the laws of the commandments, which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. So what they did was they began to mix the two. Not only were the people groups mixed, the pagans with the Israelites, but they said, okay, we're going to listen to this priest. We'll fear the Lord, but we're keeping our idols too. We'll fear the Lord, but we're going to worship our idols too. Now, what does that say? Us. Okay? And guys, this is dangerous. It's the unholy mix. It's not only an unholy mix of people groups, pagans and Israelites, but it's an unholy mix of worshiping idols and worshiping God. I didn't know how we are. I know how we are. We'll sit there and go, man, I don't do that. God. But when's the last time we read the word? I love God. When's the last time we prayed? Man, I love God. When's the last time we served the house? See what I'm saying? When all these other things take the place of him, we've got an unholy mix. We've got an unholy mix. Okay? I know it's heavy, but it's true. Would y'all agree? It's true. Verse 32, again, they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed for themselves priests. Yeah, we'll pick who's over us. We don't want God to pick who's over us. We'll pick who's over us. 33, they feared the Lord, yet served their own gods. That's an unholy mix. Amen. So tonight as we close, I want us to concentrate our lives on reverencing him. Not having the unholy mix of things that are not of him and him too. He gets second place, or or it's this and him, and maybe they're lateral. Maybe it's not this way. Maybe it's this way. Because we don't want to have the unholy mix. We can look at Second Kings 17 and see what happened to Israel. They were taken captive. And we have an unholy mix in our lives. The enemy will take you captive. Keep him first. Reverence him. Hallow him. Fear him. Honor him. Value him, consider him, so that we won't sin. Amen. All right, let's stand and pray. It is eight twenty-seven.
Don't forget about Sunday, of course. Um, excited about what God's going to do. Be prayed up when you come in. And as we come in, we're going to reverence him. Lots of ways we can do that. Be ready in your spirit. Be on time. Be excited. Be full of passion when you get here. Be looking for somebody to minister to. A lot of times we'll come to church for ourselves, and that's great. But let's come to church looking for somebody to help. Amen. All right. If you can stay back and help us tend to the building, we would love the help. And uh, our young people and children will be out just a little bit. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. and, And Lord, you know, you tell us that you just want us to love you. You invite us into your presence. You invite us to reverence you and to honor you. And you don't command it. You, you ask us to, but you don't command it. You want us to love you and reverence you out of our heart. Lord, may we be filled with that kind of fear. And not the fear of the enemy, fear of the world, fear of man, fear of words, fear of uh, failure, fear of, uh, uh, of lack. May we be filled with the fear of the Lord that, Father, that that governs what we say, governs what we do, governs where we spend Friday night, that governs where we are on Sunday morning because we have a respect and an honor for you. And, Lord, your word is pretty clear that when you're honored, you will show up on our behalf. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Good.